Welcome to Talking Transfers, the show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Harry Simu from the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, head of UK content, Toby Cudworth. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simu, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. Keeping in mind after my criticism last week, to keep the energy high, Graham, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. It's a bit, bit cooler today, so nice, but still still quite high in the northeast. But yeah, it was uh, melting I love, yesterday. I love that Graham said, keep the energy high. And yeah, as soon as you like, went to Graham, he goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I feel that like I was the, the general sense of the country at the moment in the heat. It's a bit, oh, it's a bit, yeah. We, we love the heat, boy, to a certain extent, isn't it? But it, it is open week, so I'm delighted to see the, the scorching mood. I do love to see those fairways get scorched at St. Andrews, which I'm sure is going above a lot of people's heads. <laughs> definitely mine this is this is not a golf podcast unfortunately we'll be getting into football harry how are you doing mate yeah all good mate i'm in, really enjoying the heat i tend to sleep like a baby when it's this hot as well it's beautiful i love it so really enjoying it yeah, yeah yeah i do yeah i'm one of those guys i don't want any cover i don't want anything i just want to lie there and spread out and sleep and that's that's too much of it too much info, mate. Well, not... yeah. <laughs> so back to the golf. We're talking about Harry sleeping habits. Let's go back to the golf. <laughs> Toby, you played golf the other day? I did play golf. Uh, yeah. Nine holes. Lost, lost, a, lost a ball on the first hole. No, so that was the week Second before. Oh, this, okay. this week, uh, he, played nine holes, scored 38. He birdied plus... it. He messaged, he messaged me after one hole. He birdied the first yeah. this week. Birdied the first, birdied the third, finished plus four, which for those who do know about golf, is a decent score. Good, uh, good skills there catching your microphone. Yeah, microphone's just gone for a person. Well, they just went for a walk. Uh, this is a brand new weekly show. We'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football. Players or managers. I say players or managers. We always talk about players really ever managers because all of that movement is settled for now. On today's edition, we'll talk uh, Chelsea's right-sided options. It seems like they've been pied by every attacker in the world at the moment, barring Ronaldo, who's desperate to get to Chelsea. We'll talk about what they're looking at on the right side and some wide forwards they're targeting. Serge Gnabry, possibly Anthony Raphaeliao. We reported on June the 7th as his name's just cropped up as well. But they're on the verge of landing Raheem Sterling. If you're listening to this, you might have already signed him. But uh, we'll see what happens there. They've been seemingly pied by Matthias De Ligt as well, who uh, is a centre-back target. They're after a few centre-backs, but it looks like Bayern is the place that he wants to go. We'll talk about potential dominoes falling there, who Juventus will get to replace him, who Chelsea will look at signing for centre-half. We'll talk Man United and Ajax and Frankie de Jong, etc., etc., just dragging on, dragging on. We'll talk Arsenal's interest in a couple of players, Lucas Paqueta, uh, Alex Grimaldo, We'll also talk Robert Lewandowski, Mark Cucciarella, some City transfer targets, Paolo Dybala, and West Ham's uh, hunt for Amadou Onana, who has been, he's had a big price tag put on him. Um, Toby will tell us more about that later on, but let's start with Chelsea. Uh, I was on holiday, and you guys did a podcast on June the 7th, uh, talking about the interest in Rafa Liao. Although we understand, obviously, Raheem Sterling probably is slated for that left-sided attack position, as we understand that he's on the verge of joining them. But they need to sign a right-sided player. Uh, Rafinha prefers Barcelona. It seems that uh, that deal will end up getting done, as far as we know. Serge Gnabry, though, uh, has been linked to Chelsea in the last few days, and we understand that he's on their potential list as well. But Graham, Manchester United target Anthony is also an option. 
Yeah, and if people do remember back, we did reveal at the end of June that Anthony's agents were in England at that time. And one of the clubs I did speak to was Chelsea. Now, Chelsea are re-evaluating their options on the right side. Um, we've done a story today. And one of the options they are going back to is Anthony. Uh, he is obviously on my United's wanted list. He's got a hefty price tag. We understand up to 80 million euros is what Ajax are looking for. And yeah, and, and we, we can confirm that Chelsea are, are looking closely at this. And, and there are not many better options out there, we don't believe. You know, Rafinha is... is Stood firm. He's rejected Arsenal, rejected Chelsea. He wants to go to Barcelona. Player power is ruling that ruling that one. He's getting his way, and 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 that's and that's the way the way they're doing. You know, they were showing interest after quite a few players here. Chelsea and they have to go back to the drawing board. Dembele is the other one who Barcelona have managed to persuade to sign a two-year deal. Obviously, Xavi's played a major part in this and getting he's persuaded him to come on a two-year deal. We'll give you a new deal next summer. So, I, I, I think almost a Dembele one will hurt more than Rafinha because we knew Rafinha. He's always wanted to go to Barcelona. But Dembele, at one point, was close to Chelsea. They've wanted him since January. PSG backed away with Louis Campos coming in. So, I think the Dembele one will disappoint, especially Thomas Tuchel. He knows Dembele, likes working with him. And it's only been that, even even up to the last bit of the season where Dembele was brilliant in Spain, that last quarter of the season, that's persuaded him to stay. Chelsea thought they were getting him on a free. So, yeah, they're back to the drawing board. They've got a lot of options, but one is Anthony, who is available. We know that. Um, bad news to United fans, possibly, because they really want him, as you'll testify to, Scott. He's one who you do you have liked for a long time as well. Uh, and another one, obviously, Serge Gnabry is a player who, you know, Arsenal were linked to at one point going back to him. But, you know, it, this is one who's he's in talks with Bayern. Bayern want him to stay. They've offered a new deal. He'll carry a hefty price tag. And would he suit Chelsea? Possibly. I think Anthony would be a better fit. And obviously there's Rafa Leao, another one who we spoke about at Milan. More left-sider, as you said, Scott. But yeah, he's in the frame. And, and let's not forget, Chelsea need more than just one. They're trying to move Zayat on. They're trying to move Werner on. Pulisic is open to offers as well. So I think they want, like, like in defence, I think they want two or three here. We don't just want to get maybe an Anthony and a Sterling. They still need that number nine as well. And Ronaldo is very much on Todd Burley's list. You know, as it stands, he's not Thomas Tuchel's first option. But if we get deep into August and Chelsea still haven't got this number nine, Ronaldo could easily be hitting at Stamford Bridge. And Todd Burley likes him. And yeah, we know Thomas Tuchel apparently has the final say. As we get through this window, I think we'll find that Todd Burley has the final say on Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> I think that's probably going to be, end up being the case. I just want to spark some debate. Did Chelsea need one? Because Kai Havertz, where does he play really? He seems to have found a home really in that nine position. Word is Thomas Tuchel wants to play a, play a fluid front line. Maybe they need a right winger more than an attacker. Sterling can play through the middle. They're getting Sterling. Harry, do you think Chelsea need to do that? Do they need to go and sign a Ronaldo? And are they looking a bit scattergun with the players that they're targeting? Yeah, it feels like they're, they're a little bit desperate to make, you know, as we've said on numerous occasions on this show, sort of marquee signings, almost for Todd Bowley to kind of stamp his authority at the club. I think for me, if if what you say is is true, and, you know, and that is the way that Thomas Tuchel looks at it, that he wants to have this fluid front line, then I'd argue that they don't really need to go out and bring in and out and out number nine. If you think about Romelu Lukaku and the way he failed at Chelsea, which is, you know, <laughs> there's no other way of really sugarcoating it. He was a 
striker that was capable, of course, of, of running channels and doing other things that we saw him do at Inter. But I think for Thomas Tuchel was a little bit too one-dimensional. And then you, you throw Cristiano Ronaldo's name into the mix. And yes, of course, he's a great goal scorer, but he's a bit one-dimensional now as well at this point in his career. So I agree, if Thomas Tuchel is looking at this fluid front line in the way that Pep Guardiola's kind of done it over the last few years, and I know City and Liverpool are kind of moving away from that with some of the signings they've made. But I would argue that Kai Havertz is more than capable of doing that role. I, I really rate him. I think he's a great player. I think... I think the minute you give him that bit more freedom and you don't nail him down to being just the number nine is when he's at his most effective. But he's got, you know, presence. He's got stature. He's pretty good in the air, Kai Havertz. He's underrated in that department as well. And he's just got so much going for him. I, I wouldn't be desperate if I was Chelsea to sign an out and out, almost one dimensional centre forward if it were me. Um, but it, of course, it depends on what Thomas Tuchel's after. There's not a lot of them either. I know we're talking about yeah. Ronaldo. Uh isn't it about the options, though, guy? Isn't it about having Havertz? What is Ronaldo an option, though, or is he as, a bona fide start? As someone who spent a very high pick in the fantasy league on Havertz, I was hugely disappointed by his season last year. He's one of my uh, Graham, I big. thought that was a weird one, personally. I thought I, I liked him a lot. Eight, eight goals and three assists. That's still not good enough for Kai Havertz. He's better than that, and he is better. I agree with Harry, but I think they need to have that other option. And it's having the depth, you know. Chelsea didn't have that time. If Havertz goes down injured in the first week, you have to have a world class replacement for him. And I think that's what they're thinking, you know. And I think that's where the Ronaldo interest comes in or another one. Chelsea, yeah, they'll have three world class players, but you need another. It's the depth. Look at Liverpool. Look at what they're going to have coming off the bench next season. You know, look at City, what they're going to come off the bench. I think that's where Chelsea need to get to. And I think that's the thinking is Ronaldo comes in, he doesn't automatically start, but he challenges Havertz. He might challenge Sterling or whoever they get on the right. I think they need to have at least four world-class front people if they want to challenge for the title. There's absolutely no way Cristiano Ronaldo goes unless he's starting every week. <laughs> that's, a, that's a given. Um, that would force Kai Havertz, for me, out to the right-hand side. And I actually think he's quite good in that role. He actually started his Chelsea career there, from what I remember, and wasn't given much of an opportunity to, to flourish in that role and kind of bounce between positions. And we spoke about his goal records last season there of only eight goals, three assists. It's not great, but he was playing centrally and we saw lots of Chelsea's joy actually came in the wide areas. Rhys James in particular flourished on that right-hand side and I think Havertz shifting to the right. That could benefit his game. Um it probably wouldn't happen if they do bring in Gnabry or Anthony. I actually think Serge Gnabry is the one they should really go after. I feel like Anthony's price tag is hugely inflated and Ajax are just trying yeah, to extract is. as much Absolutely. money as they can. But out of Man United, he... yeah, out of Man United. It looks like the will as well. That's the thing. If so the price tag is if someone's willing to pay it and if United are, then that's their value, isn't it? I guess. I think Chelsea are a bit more savvy. I know they've paid big money for players before and it's gone wrong. But I don't see them forking out that much for Anthony. They'll leave United to it if that's the case. Um, but Serge Gnabry would. I think he's got a higher ceiling, like Rafinha. I think Anthony's got that higher ceiling. I, I love Anthony. I think he's ever since I think really came on the radar last year. Didn't he, Scott? When we linked him with Man United and Liverpool later, I think he's got such a huge ceiling. He, he could be a he could be a properly world class performer. I'm not saying Rafinha can't be, but I think we've seen just about the best of Rafinha personally. He's an, an outstanding player. But I don't think he's a world talent where I think Anthony could be. I agree. Chelsea I agree. like buying for immediate success, though, don't they? They buy players for the here and now and they mix it with players who have got Sterling is potential. definitely that yeah. as well. 
So uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, Chelsea are looking at right-sided options. The Ronaldo option is obviously there. Todd Bowley is uh, looking to make a statement. Je- Graham, how many players do Chelsea want? Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's the in the midfield department they're still probably working on. Uh, but in defence, yeah, three centre-halves they want, and and they're still working on them. Um, as you said in, in, in the intro, Scott, it looks like they're going to get pied by Delict. Bayern Munich are increasingly confident of getting this guy. And yeah, Chelsea are in. They're not struggling. There's plenty of ones out there. But yeah, when it comes to their first choice targets, they're not getting them. Yeah. Uh, so that gives me a little bit more confidence. It might, might end up losing out on Anthony as well. We'll talk Man United in a little bit, but there's a there's like a there's a system emerging here. I mean, Bayern are looking at Delict. Uh According to the notes, talks in Turin yesterday, Graham. Juventus looking at Kaladu Koulibaly potentially to mm. replace him, who may has also been on Chelsea's list in the past. Uh, and Napoli have looked at Leo Ostergaard, is it, uh, as part of their replacement plan for Koulibaly. So mm. it seems like everything's happening, you know, there to line up Matthias to go to Bayern. But there's an issue over price. Yeah, you know, he's got a release closing it's in except about 120 million, which was no which Juventus have been quite sensible. Uh they known they weren't going to get that. Obviously, this all stemmed from the contract talks, which collapsed um a few weeks ago with Delict. Um and Juve said, okay, you can leave 100 million euros. Looks like buying, I think, in 90 million euros. I think everyone's quite happy with that. I think Juve are quite happy to get that, especially as they've got Cooler Bally lined up who was, yeah, very high in Chelsea's list this summer. But I think Koulibaly, he's never really, I don't think, wanted to come to England particularly. And I think that's the reason we've never seen him, really. You know, He's never really pushed for it. So I think, yeah, Juventus have got him lined up. And yeah, interesting, Leo Ostergaard, a Brighton defender, who spent this, he, he failed in the championship. The It was a Blackburn, if I remember correctly. And he went alone to Genoa and was sensational. That's why suddenly we're seeing Napoli coming for this lad, who can't get his game for Brighton. But yeah, he's all the rage in Italy. So Napoli have stepped in. They've got him. And um, yeah, it's a strange one from, from Premier League reserve to Serie A starter for Leo Ostergaard, who, yeah, um, it seems that Napoli are willing to let Kula Bali go. He's been there for a long, long time. Uh, Graham, let's just uh, finish up on Chelsea because we've been going 15 minutes. Uh, Deo Pumacano. Mm. Yeah, we did this piece um, on Saturday, didn't we, Toby? Um, this was one who. Chelsea and talks have suddenly realised, well, wait a minute, who is Delict? Who's not going to get their game? And Upper Meccano's representatives are now going around Europe letting people know he's not going to sit on the bench at Bayern. He doesn't want to sit on the bench at Bayern. And he could very well be an option for Chelsea, we're told. And Chelsea do like him. Obviously, some Chelsea fans, we saw this reaction, didn't we, TC, on Saturday? The Chelsea fans are, why are we going to sign Delict, the man who Delict is replacing? You could see it like that, but I think Upper Meccano proved himself last season. I wasn't sure about him at Leipzig, but I think he went up in my estimation last year. He did well for Bayern. He looked very solid. I think he'd be a cracking sign for Chelsea, personally. He had a couple of bad games for Bayern, didn't he? But Bayern were dreadful overall in two or three games. They got stuffed in the cup. And I think Upper Meccano copped a lot of flack for that particular performance. But he was one of the most wanted centre-backs in the world 12, 18 months ago. Every team was being linked with him. And then it was kind of a bit of a, oh, Bayern have signed another top player. He's going to be there for many years. I think he's still got the potential to be that. But Chelsea, sorry, Bayern are looking at De Ligt and thinking, well, this is a, an opportunity to mm. buy the premiered young defender in world football. And if they bring him in, can they play the pair of them? 
Probably not because Lucas Hernandez is left-footed and he would play on the left side of a back four and that could open up for Upamecano to go. And he's, is he what, 22, 23? That's the kind of profile player that Chelsea oh, could guess then... the age game, yeah. I did, even though I wrote a story about him, I can't remember. I think, yeah, 23. <laughs> Uh, let's let's move on. We've done a lot of Chelsea there. Let's move let's move across London to Arsenal, Harry. Uh, interesting. Alex Grimaldo has uh, been circulating. Uh, I know Graham has some opinions. <laughs> uh, Arsenal. Looking well, let's for not left... forget they've they have missed out on Rafinha. Arsenal has to confirm their failure to get Rafinha as well. Let's not. Well, ha- Harry is very much. I'm glad we didn't do that, right, Harry? Um, it's not that I don't rate the player. It's not that I didn't want the player. It's that. If I was to list to you what I believe Arsenal's priorities were this summer, a winger was not at the top of the list. It wasn't even in the top two for me. It wasn't even probably in the top three. What are those positions? So for me, it was centre-forward, which we've addressed um, with Gabriel Jesus. It's centre-midfield and it's some sort of backup cover in the defence because... We lost both fullbacks at the back end of last season and we really struggled. So those were my three. And if we can add a winger on top of that, great, let's do it. You know, we've brought in Marquinhos, who's a young prospect and someone very much for the future. But if we could add someone for the here and now, great. And I was all for the Rafinha thing. But when the price started getting silly and it became more and more apparent that actually he was never interested in the first place, you know, I was very much of the opinion that we should turn our attention elsewhere and do the business that we actually need to be doing. So it's not that I don't like Rafinha or that I don't rate him. It's just that when the price started going nuts and it became evident, you know, Chelsea came in and made the offer Leeds wanted and they're still not going to get him. So it just felt like a time waster from from pretty early on. Um, but yeah, we're being linked with with Alex Grimaldo. Uh, who Is it addresses... a good idea to sign Benfica left-backs? Well, I, I don't think that Nuno Tavares' story at Arsenal is done. I know a lot of people sort of wrote him off based on the second half of last season. In the first half, we saw really, really encouraging signs. I think we've just come to a point where maybe he needs to go elsewhere to continue his development on loan, where the spotlight isn't so much on him. And the reason for that is ultimately because we can't trust Kieran Tierney to stay fit. That's ultimately what the issue is, right? If if Nuno Tavares was a backup left-back that was going to play five, six Premier League games over the course of the season, I'd be okay with that. But the problem is, the reality is he probably plays 10, 12, maybe even 15. And then it starts to become problematic. Alex Grimaldo is is an interesting one because I know a lot of people have been critical of him. He was a player that started at Barcelona's La Masia and, and he had a really good reputation, went to Benfica. And actually, at one point at Barcelona, there was a lot of debate as to whether they should keep him or Jordi Alba because Jordi Alba was going through a difficult period around the time that he was uh, sold. And a lot of Barcelona fans, from what I've read over the past few days, sort of doing my research, were disappointed that Grimaldo was allowed to leave. Has he really pushed on at Benfica? No. But ultimately, you've got to remember that Arsenal are looking for a backup left-back. They're not looking for a starter. They're looking for a backup left-back. And at €7 million, around about £5.8 million, I think this is a deal worth doing because it means that Arsenal have somebody who, although isn't a great defender, is a little bit more similar to the profile of Kieran Tierney in that he will get forward down the left-hand side and he will give you those same types of runs and the ability to continue in the build-up that we want. So I think he's a closer fit to Kieran Tierney. Not as good, obviously, but a closer fit 
profile-wise than Nuno Tavares is. And I think that might tempt Arsenal in, into doing this deal on the cheap. Lisandro Martinez was, was someone that the Athletic told us that Arsenal were looking at primarily as a left-back. Well, that's going crazy as well in terms of the price. And I think if Arsenal can go out and get a midfielder, which they desperately need, whilst adding Grimaldo as a backup, then then I'm OK with it. I think it's a decent piece of business. Martinez, you're offering £40 million euros for. There's no way you were signing him as a reserve left-back. No, I'm not saying he would have come in yeah. solely as a left-back. I think he would have come in with the view to being able to play in any number of positions. But I still don't think he was a guaranteed starter, which is the point I'm trying to make. It's because no youngsters, Ga- Harry, because your academy is so good. If not, there's no good left-backs in the academy at all. There isn't really anyone standout. We signed uh, Lino Sosa uh, from West Brom uh, back in January, I think, um, who people have quite high hopes for. But he's not ready for this season, not in my opinion. Remember Tell the best, yeah. The Arsenal um, left back graduate was Bukayo Sakaji. Don't forget, and then he's been promoted further yeah, forward to play yeah, as a winger. Still, I, I still like him as a wing back. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he's um, further forward for you guys. But to me, I just wanted to ask Harry: hmm. Does this feel like you're positioning yourself to prepare for another Kieran Tierney injury or a departure at some point? Because these are relatively high-profile players that Arsenal are supposedly wanting to bring in at left back. Alex Grimaldo is far better than playing second fiddle to Tierney. He's played dozens of Champions League games for Benfica. He's got years of experience. I think he's played close to 250 games for them and he's 26. He's only available at this price, I think, because his contract is up next year. That says to me that Arsenal are a little bit concerned about Tierney. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think they're concerned about his injury problems. I don't think Arsenal are in a position where they're actively looking to move him on or they're, they're fed up and they want to get him out the door. But I, I just think they're facing the, the reality, which is that there's a good chance that he misses a significant amount of games. And you need someone who who can come in and make that seamless transition or as seamless as possible. Like, again, I don't think Grimaldo is as good defensively, but offensively, I think he is. I think offensively, he can give you a lot. And um, also... If you look at where he was educated in terms of football and you look at the style with which he plays, he likes to drift, not just on, he doesn't just make runs on the overlap. He drifts into that half space inside as well, which is something that Mikel Arteta has been quite big on um, Kieran Tierney doing of late. It's it's almost a bit similar to the Pep Guardiola game model. Now, I know we're not as good as Man City, but that idea of your fullback being able to step into the midfield if necessary and, and when you think about all of those things and you look at the way Grimaldo's come through and what he's good at, where he specialises. I mean, we're talking about someone who got three assists in 10 Champions League games last season. We're talking about someone who got five goals and five assists in 29 league appearances, which for a fullback is a good return. So I just think... I would just temper that. that with Alex Tellez scored loads of goals in the Portuguese league and is not a good left back from where I stand. He was good for Nunes, so wasn't he? he created a lot for Nunes, but it's interesting. I think, do you, do you not think, Harry, as well, we'll see Tini, ha- he won't get much centre-half action next season, given um, Saliba's back, etc. And so, they're very much uh, hoping for Tini to do that left-back um, left-back role. He, was in, let's remember, he had a good season when he was playing, didn't he? Because Real, even Real Madrid were casting their eye at him, over him at one point. But yeah, he's a, he's a great player. He's just, mm. he's just fitness. Just fitness is the problem. Um, and and I don't like when we talk about Alex Grimaldo, we got to remember that this is a signing. If Arsenal make it, that's going to cost them five point eight million pounds. That's nothing nowadays, right? So I I see more upside than downside to this, you know. And and that's 
it's a, it's a backup. It, it is a backup. Like I think he's maybe better than that, Toby. I agree with you, but that's what he'd be coming to Arsenal to do. And so if you're going to fight, throw five million at it, but then that still allows you to go and bring in the midfielder, which I think is a higher priority that you want, then I, I'm okay with it. Is that nice holding midfield? Holding midfielder, you want Harry? Yeah, the, the, this is. I want to get onto this holding midfielder. Lucas Paqueta has been linked the last few days. Uh, doesn't add up to me. I think his price on his head for the position and the role and responsibility that Arsenal want in that area doesn't make sense. Uh, Harry, fan perspective first, and then Graham will uh, will come to you. So I'd agree that a defensive midfielder is probably what Arsenal should be looking at. That's my opinion, but I don't think that's what Arsenal are looking at. I think Arsenal are looking. They need at an, an Arsenal midfielder. They're looking at a number. They're looking at a number eight to play on the left. That's what they're looking to do. They're looking for a number eight to play on the left of a midfield three. Thomas Partey is the anchor man. Um, we know that his fitness has been questionable as well. I think that in Mikel Arteta's mind, and again, this is in Mikel Arteta's mind, doesn't necessarily tally up with my opinion. But I think that he thinks that Granit Xhaka can do that role. And I think that he thinks that Mohamed Elneny, who he's just given a new contract to, can be a backup in that role as well. I think towards the back end of last season, prior to the injury of Thomas Partey, when Arsenal had everybody available, you started to see a transition. You started to see Arsenal's system change. And having the centre-backs that we do now has facilitated this. We push up the pitch. Partey sits as a lone anchor with the centre-backs very, very close to him. Tomiyasu tucks in uh, from right back as like a, th a third member of a back three. And then you push on two midfielders, not just one. And we started to see Granit Xhaka do that. He was tasked with doing that. And it just doesn't suit his game, I don't think. It's why we've been linked with Tillemans. It's why we've been linked with Paqueta, who... It's probably more offensive than than defensive. But I think Arsenal are looking for someone a little bit more in between. I don't think they're looking for a specialist defensive midfielder. That's what I believe is the case. Graham, uh, coming to you on Lucas Paqueta, how much substance is there to this? His people are pushing him massively to England. Obviously, he's a player I've looked at a lot with the Newcastle links that have come. And... Yeah, at the moment, there's not much English interest in him at this price. You know, we're talking 70 million. I think that's way, way off. I think it's, um, nobody's going to pay that in England for him. And if they do, fair play to his agents because they've done a cracking job for him. Um, no, I, I, th I think it's a lot of agent talk. I think there is interest. Eddie obviously knows the play. He knows virtually every Brazilian in Europe. That's his job. He, he does know them. I think, you know, I just don't see how he fits in this house team. Even he's such an attack minded midfielder. And, and with Vieira, um, the boy coming in from uh, Portugal as well, Harry. Um, so if we, if it's inside tomorrow, Harry, you, who would be on the right of the three parties? Zaka and Odegaard. Odegaard, yeah. It'd be Odegaard. Wow. That. Wow. Okay. Um, very, very attack-minded trio with with a lot of pressure on Thomas Party there. Um, so you see, I I understand that Taylorman's interest is still there. I think that's one that um I think that's much more likely that, than he does seem a better fit for that role. Yeah, we yeah, uh, yeah Taylorman's is at that price. I think. Yeah, he didn't have a great season last season, but at that price, you've got to take a swing. You know, potentially twenty million pounds is all that you might be able to get him for, including add-ons. I think that suits Arsenal down the ground. He's a Tillemans is a better player than anything. Uh, he's better than Party. He's better than Zaka. 
by a long way. And so I think I think Tiedemann to be a great sign for Arsenal. And I hope they set the game. I think they could use that proper box, almost not quite a box to box midfielder, but he do he adds that bit of um, depth, defensive depth as well in in the middle. Because as Harry said, that's it's a lot of pressure on party, isn't it? In that midfield, it really is to to hold to hold that defence in. But yeah, I think Tiedemann's have been much better fit, and there is interest still there from Arsenal, and I expect that one to to get going in the next few weeks. Quick one. Uh... On the topic of Arsenal, uh, Graham Carney Chukwemeka, I got that right, uh, is ah, yes. of interest to Arsenal potentially mm. and Newcastle. I've seen Barcelona mm. linked with him in the last few days. As it stands, he won't sign a new deal with Aston Villa. Mm. What's the what's what's this situation looking? Yeah, like? and this is interesting as we're talking about a three because this is a guy who slot into that one of those roles very easily. He's one of the England's best young midfielders. He just helped him to. European Championship success. The problem is he's not too happy with what's going on at Villa. You know, it's a guy they brought in with his brother Caleb um, from Northampton Town at the time. Um, he played, I think it was around uh, from around eighteen games for Villa last year. But at the moment, he's turning down this contract. He is refusing to sign it, and and that's why we're seeing Arsenal and Newcastle linked. You can check our report, and Arsenal and Newcastle both seeing this guy. Is someone who could potentially start for them. He's that good. And he doesn't think he's going to get out of game time at Villa, even though Douglas Luiz is a player who Villa are trying to move on, I think probably to accommodate Carney in some way. Only 18, but a super, super talent. It's no surprise to me to, me, to see Arsenal in for this guy. Um, I think if Arsenal Newcastle are to get him, it probably would be this summer before next January, when I say the foreign clubs can come in and start talking to him in the January. But yeah, he's a, he's a huge, exciting talent. And as it stands, Villa, he's not signing. He won't sign, which is why we're seeing the interest, surprisingly. And then it's up to Villa. Did they allow him to get to January? And you know, it's a possible free transfer um, with, a, with a little fee coming from abroad. Or did they risk it, um, trying to persuade him to sign? To an English club, or did they sell him now to a, to an Arsenal or a Newcastle or someone like that who where he'd have a good chance of starting? Um, and they get uh, it's hard to know. Someone said to me, did want over 40 million for him, they're not going to get that because of his contract situation. But would someone like Arsenal play 20 30? I think they probably would because he is such a huge talent. I think he's one who's really gone under the radar a little bit, but in England, within the scouting ranks, they think this guy is one of the best 18 year olds we've seen in a long time. I'm going to move on to uh, the United section, Manchester United. Uh, Toby, I want your take on this because obviously everyone knows United want Frankie de Jong. Uh, we did a story on Monday uh, suggesting or clarifying the reasons why the holdup in the deal taking de Jong to United uh, is there. I mean... Obviously, it's been established that Barcelona owe him deferred wages, up to £17 million worth of deferred wages. Uh, and Barcelona are looking for creative ways, essentially, to cover this money. That So it just means that they don't have to pay it, <laughs> in a sense. Uh, United have... Well, United representatives Richard Arnold, John Murta have been spotted and pictured and videoed in Barcelona on Monday. <clears throat> as far as we understand it, they want to sort this deal out as soon as the Spanish press, the Catalan press are saying, oh, De Jong, there was a 10 reasons why, why De Jong isn't joining Man United piece, which circulated everywhere. Why would United be talking to Frankie De Jong for 10, or talking about a deal for De Jong for 10 weeks if they knew he wasn't coming? I mean, 
I know United are incapable in the transfer market, but this would be staggering. What's your take on it? It's a deal United have got to wrap up quickly. Haven't they have they? to do it. They it's absolutely a, have to do it. Oh, they have to now. It's a farce, really, that they haven't come to an agreement. But I think this is Barcelona being bloody difficult to deal with, in all truth. I think United have had the offer on the table for quite a long time. We know there's been a broad agreement, but the hold-up is from Barcelona trying to get their affairs in order to complete the deals that they just physically can't do. And Richard Arnold and John Murta going out there is probably to try and push this along and say, look, we're a bit sick of this. Um, we need to get him on board and we need to get him integrated in pre-season because Eric Ten Hag would have wanted De Jong on this pre-season tour that United are on. He's missed that. This will probably take another week to sort out, if not two. Then Optimistic. You have to, optimistically. <laughs> and then you have to think about getting De Jong over to England. He's got to find a house, find, you know, get his family settled, all that kind of stuff that comes with moving to a new country. And by all intents and purposes, he may not be up to speed for United until September, which is bad because United will want to get off to a good start. Um but my point, to... my my point on that on that though is that he is he does know Eric Ten Hag's identity style of play, and I think that's why he's so important. Why they can't afford to alternate their targets. We've we know that Ruben Neves is a, an alternative that the club have wanted for a while. Uh, always there on the table, really. But De Jong, while he will take some time to get the speed, his preseason training obviously has just started this week with Barcelona. He knows, and he's been integral to Eric Ten Hag's uh, style of play before. So I think it's, don't think it's changed that much. Yeah, it won't take you know? him. It won't take him that long. It's maybe just the speed of the Premier League in comparison yeah. to La Liga would be the only thing that he'd need to get up to speed with. But United need this deal to happen sooner rather than later because he can't be the only other signing that they make this summer. But they're so focused on getting that done that it's perhaps preventing them from concluding other business. Um, Graham, uh, sorry, go on. Go on I was just going to say, and then you've got the Ronaldo shadow hanging over the club as well. What the hell is going on there? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, De Jong, I think they have to sort that out pretty soon. Graham, do you think, uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but is De Jong going to take the pay cut that Barcelona would love him to take, renegotiate his contract, take a Dembele style wage cut, or do you think that United will be able to get this one over the line? I think if, if De Jong was a, is a key component like Anuzman Dembele was, then there would be a chance that he might consider that. I I, I think now the trust is broken between De Jong and the and the back and the and the hierarchy at Barcelona, you know, the De Jong feels they've reneged on certain agreements, etc. And could De Jong trust Barca as Dembele is or come back in twelve months and we'll give you a big new contract? I don't think De Jong would trust them to do that. Plus I, I just don't see De Jong as being as I said it a cornerstone of this Barcelona team. You know, Pedri and Gavi are in there. Kessie's come in. Busquets is there. I think, I'm not having a go at De Jong here. I think if De Jong disappears from that Barcelona squad, I don't think they're missing one iota. I really don't. You it's know, the one position this, they stock well in. Yeah, it? yeah. It's not It's not as if they, they, dumb, they didn't, they did okay last season. They weren't great. But I think, I think it's a good move for De Jong to get him, to get a fresh start for him. I think it suits him. I think this talk of him wanting Champions League football, of course he would like that. And the only reason, let's get it right, the only reason I think he probably is going to United is for Eric Ten Hag. If Ten Hag wasn't there, I think it's a very hard deal for United to do. 
arguably they wouldn't be doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they probably wouldn't be looking at they it anyway. They wouldn't have wasted 10 weeks on it. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, Ten Hag's been speaking to him all this time, as we've reported. We know the player wants to come. He's intrigued by the project. He's intrigued by playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world again. Not many people get this chance to play for Barcelona and United. He'll be joining a rare club. So, no, I, I think it does get done. Scott, I said, it's, and as Toby said, Barcelona is just using this to get as much money out of the deal as possible. And if I was Barcelona, I'd be doing exactly the same. They haven't got many sellable assets, as we know. The Martin Brayfitts as well, the Memphis Depay's, not going to raise huge, huge money, huge sums of money for most players. And so De Jong, yeah. And and if you did owe De Jong, they do owe De Jong and his agent money, why not try and get that with United? Uh, you, if you were the other way around, you would be saying, yeah, do exactly the same thing. The, the other thing that I would add as well is that even if De Jong did take a wage deferral similar to Dembele, Barcelona still wants to sign Lewandowski, Rafinha, Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso. All of those wages to go onto the books. Oh, Jill, I don't forget Jules Kondé. Don't, don't forget Jules, and Jules Kondé, Kondé, of course. Uh, and probably others as well. There's, gonna be, there's only there's six weeks left in the window. We've got another 12 new players being linked to Barcelona. Yeah, a deferral won't do it. De Jong's wages have got to be off Barca's books completely. For them to be able to do any of those deals, and then people, is... people are saying, Scott, that oh, this can be sorted out in court afterwards. No, Barcelona want this done and dusted. They're not. They're, why they're not going to let him go to United and then let De Jong take them to court in the future or take them to UEFA? They want this cut and dry, done and dusted. And so, as as we as we suggest, Scott, the United are going to have to help out in this regard. And I think that was the basis of that conversation, Richard, um, John Murta, Richard, were having yesterday that they're going to have to help out in some way. I think United have to do it. Uh, you know, just that they, they it's taken ten weeks. They can't walk away. I think you've got a De Jong shirt printed up, haven't you, Scott? So uh, I, yeah, for people like I, you, you need I, it I to might, happen. I might well. I might, I might well do it. I don't like the new home shirt, though. To be fair, uh, let's let's talk about <laughs> another club who are trying to rinse Man United for every penny that they have. Ajax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see the see the anger in his look. That, that was a brilliant. That was a brilliant meme. Angry Scott there. That is he's feeling uh, the anger there. I imagine that's uh, what Richard Arnold does every time he gets off the phone. Right. <laughs> We, I mean, we talked a bit of Ronaldo. Maybe we'll leave that for another day. But United want Lisandro Martinez. We talked about him already briefly in, earlier in the show. So did they want Anthony as well. Graham, uh, Ajax have raised their demands for the, these two players to as much as 140 million euros, 60 million for Martinez, 80 million for Anthony. There, is that the price that they're going to go for? Or is this just a negotiating position because Ajax don't need to sell? Well, the player, the player at United thought they were very close to Martinez last week, where United came in 45 plus 5. They thought 50 million was the magic number for Martinez. They thought this deal would be done by now. It turns out the advisory board, which is the way IX work, were thinking, well, why, why shouldn't we be taking 60 million for this player? So they may have to go up again. It's, Martinez is, is beginning to become increasingly infuriated. We understand with Ajax. You know, this is a player, what they played less than 10 for, didn't they? 7 million? paid for what it's a huge profit for them and and obviously united are that far down the road with this now it, it has to be done it is we, we don't even the thing is with martinez it the suggestion is and from ten house court scott isn't it that he might be looking to play him in midfield because he says that's, offense, that's what i thought offense in midfield but yeah. to sign a player for 60 million who's just spent the season playing at center half obviously you have to trust ten hag what he's doing um Obviously, he thinks Martinez is a better player than a Ruben Neves, for instance, or he's a better player than Pau Torres. 
if he was going to play defence. So impor- the him. important thing is that he knows their qualities. Yeah, but so 60 million, they may have to get, I think they might get him for 50-55, which is still a lot of money. And then Anthony, they're still talking about, um, they're talking about 80 million, as we alluded to, with, um, especially if Chelsea come in sniffing now, that won't help Manchester United's cause. We know the player would like to play for Ten Hag, but I don't think if Chelsea came calling, he would turn them down particularly. But yeah, Ajax are, um, and, and the problem with Ajax is, you know, they don't need the money. They've sold Haller, they've sold Gravenbesh. This is the, and I've been told if 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 Martinez and Nancy do leave, this is the most money Ajax have ever raised from from in their history from one team. And this isn't even a, it's not a team. This isn't the team of a few years ago. It's not it? a vintage. Yeah, it's not a vintage Ajax team, is it? It's the one one that went out in the quarterfinals at home to Benfica in the Champions League. So, oh, the last sixteen, sorry. Um, but yeah, um, it talks around going for Anthony. I know United aren't keen on paying this price, but if Chelsea are coming in, they might have to. And 140 million euros, yeah, it will hurt. But hey, you know, I know fans love to be accountants at the minute. They love, they don't. But this is United. You, you need these two players. Ten Hag wants them. You're just gonna have to. But like De Jong, you're just gonna have to do it. Yeah. Can I ask Scott from a United's fan perspective? Are you happy that these are the transfer targets? Are you happy with the notion that Ten Hag? knows these players and i think it's very quality. overboard <laughs> or yeah is it just too streamlined are these players actually good enough outside of frankie de jong to play for manchester united just because he's worked with them does that mean yeah, they're good I, mean, I understand the reasons why he's looking at these players because he's made no secret and the players in their own interviews in pre-season have made no secret of saying it's probably going to take a while for us to understand these habits and i think he's probably going to want players who identify mm. and know his style of play because as we've alluded to, he's not necessarily got three years. He's got to get this season right. And There's I understand. Someone sat on the sidelines now who's suddenly free again, who may come Christmas time, may be interested, Mr. Pochettino. Yes, you, you never know. United, have, they're not, not a sacking club anymore. Uh, so I think Ten Hag is looking at this and I thinking... I Scott, if you're, if you're bottom five at Christmas, he's gone. That'd be awful for our uh, top of the United's debate. Uh, from my perspective, but uh, we'll, we'll reference that in another in another show. Um, but yeah, Toby, I, I think De Jong I would, is the only one that I would really put in that absolutely must get him because he's a central midfielder. You know, I don't have a creative midfielder and I think you can probably get others, but De Jong comes in with, I think he's one of the best midfielders in the world anyway, potential wise, and he knows Ten Hag's style of play. And if he, if he comes in, I think that's one position you've sorted for six years, five, six years. And then you, you can really address want the Martinez? other one. Do you really want Martinez? Do you really like this? I don't really Martinez, Sixty million no. euros, like Harry. Are you are you that disappointed, Scott? Do you really want him? I think he's one of the most expensive players of all time. Who, if you didn't get him, you really wouldn't be bothered. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, <laughs> lot. and and it's a bit like I'm in the same boat as I was with the Rafinha thing. Yes, I'd like the player, but I understand that there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. And mm. you know, if if Arsenal were to step back and you know, and, and completely call their interest. I know it looks like he's going United anyway, or that's more likely, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it this way. You're not going to find me at the end of the window um, shouting and ranting and raving about my club. If they decided to walk away from a deal that I think is, is getting a bit stupid. Would you rather have Tielemans? If it was straight, forget the price. If it was Martins or Tielemans, would you rather have Tielemans, Harry? Anyway? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Don't, don't disagree with that from, from either perspective, but uh, yeah, I mean, De Jong is, Important, crucial, I think, to the style of play. And why would you spend 60 million quid when you've got Rafa Varane? I know he's injured a lot. And Harry Maguire, who you've just renewed as club captain. 
when he's five foot nine, never it defended point, it, in the Premier it, it League. It points to defensive midfield or a back it three. Does, doesn't it does to me. It, it, it's either a back three or a holding midfielder because I say that, and, and he's confirmed Maguire as captain, so obviously he's looking to play Maguire. Hmm. Anyway, we got to move on. We're running out of time. Uh, let's talk. Quick mention, Graham, for Robert Lewandowski. Back in Germany from Mallorca, Barcelona's still keen on him. I've just seen a tweet which suggested Lewandowski's returned on his own, not with his family, which suggests that mm. I want to go. Yeah, um, we weren't sure whether he would come back, are we? but I think his agents have made sure, yeah, let's not cop any fines or anything, you know, let's not lose any money just yet. So he's flown into, he's flown back into Munich, we understand it was this morning or last night. And yeah, so he's returned to training. And yeah, buying the standing firm here, they, you know, they want money up front. They they really are not sure about Barca's finances. They don't want to be doing any five, six-year deals with Barcelona here. You can have to, if you want him, um, I think the deal, what, 60, 70 they're looking at, um, they want a lot of this money up front, and as we know, Barcelona simply can't do this. The day we should say the deal with Rafinha is agreed, personal terms are done, but they can't pull the, the lever yet. They're waiting for the second lever, as Laporta keeps saying, the next trench of money. So, although Can you Dembele, just outline what the lever means, um, the due cash, a win for certain windfalls, aren't they? they? Then the money they've just got has paid off a lot of debt, so they actually don't have much money to do these player deals. So, they're due a bit more money, um, which I don't know when. Um, that is, uh, might be waiting on De Jong to then finance these other deals. The Barcelona system is just, you know, they're getting back on on, on steady ground. They're, they're going to spend 60 million on a 33, 34 year old striker on 400 grand a week. What, what better way to spend your money? Can I can I just remind everybody that they're also renovating Camp Nou, which we've already said will cost in excess of 1 billion euros over the next few years. So, uh, they might be sorting their finances out in one way, but they're certainly blowing the money in another way. But buying are really worried. The other thing that could they? Well, no club we would ever want to go bankrupt. But you know, the way Barca do their finances, you wouldn't do a five six year deal with them, would you? Let's move on quickly to the West Ham spending plan. Uh, More extortionate transfer fees. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk us through the the latest from you, Toby, on. A target from Lille. Yeah, a quick one on Amadou Onana, who is a 20-year-old central midfielder, Belgian international. Just played for Lille for one season in Ligue 1. Did relatively well by all accounts, but they came 10th in their title defence. You'd hardly say that was earth-shattering and they weren't great in the Champions League, but he was okay. West Ham made a couple of bids over the last couple of weeks for him in the region of, we believe, 20 to 25 million. Lille want 50 million, which is just insane um pounds as well yeah pounds 50 million pounds yeah but he's another player that from people who are close to him they think he's a special talent kind of like a chomini kind of player um in terms of ability but i can't see west ham going anywhere near that figure to be honest they want to sign more players yes but they've got lots of other priorities signing brozier being the number one priority, and uh, yeah, that's the thing. That's who these French players. For every Sumari, for every Chumani, there's five Sumaris, isn't there? <laughs> Went to Leicester. It, well, well he's, has he left Leicester? If not, he's leaving. I, Leicester, th- I think, yeah, I, th- I think, um, yeah, some clubs want him on loan, but yeah, he was a brilliant sign. Yeah, but it's what it's one of them is the French midfielders are flavoured the month at all. We have, uh, yeah, midfielders from the French league. Even I put Nicolas Pepe in this bracket. <laughs> Lille demanded seventy-two million for him, and look how that's turned out. If they're a judge, it's like of, the French, uh, the French and Dutch leagues. It's such a huge gamble with some of these players. I don't know from my own Middlesbrough days, Alfonso Alves. You sign, you sign some of these players, and it's just uh, like Luis Suarez came over, brilliant world talent. 
but for every Suarez, there's another ten um, other types of players. Mm. Isn't it? It's it's such a them to them two particularly the huge seem to be huge gambles, France and Holland. Don't forget the Tangy and Dombele highlight reels we saw as well when he went to Spurs and then bombed. <laughs> and Dombele was one of, like, hailed as the greatest midfielder in Spurs history Ooh. after one performance. Sergio Reguilón was the best left back in the world at one point, and now he's on his way back to Seville by the looks of it. Uh, we've had Baka Yoko who's moved to Chelsea for massive money, uh, a ton of others, you know, uh, but... I think West Ham have to walk away if it's a 50 million price. That's, that's too much money. They they do, considering they have to strengthen at left back. And as I mentioned there, Brozier is the number one striking target. They've got to get somebody in to support Mikel Antonio. Otherwise, David Moyes of dreams of continuing to challenge the top six just won't materialise. And you've signed Flynn Downs as well, Toby. Obviously, Swansea's second best midfielder. So how why would you need another midfielder? No, he's a good signing. I know you think it's a bit of a weird one, but when you've got I, Declan I Rice and Thomas Socek as you're literally your two central midfield options, you've got to bring somebody in. And we needed yeah. a new Mark Noble. Flynn oh, Downs is the new Mark Noble. So Oh, that's a terrible how dare you say that? <laughs> I just think that's that's one of the strangest deals of the summer, the Flynn Downs one. He... He's he's a comp he's a competent player. He's not even in the championship's top ten midfielders. It's a really really strange deal. S sometimes you need competence to come off the bench. And West Ham had Alex Crowell, who they signed on loan last year. He played one minute do, of Premier I League football. We, David we, we, did not we do understand. Him. We do understand with that one, Toby. Actually, where they did look very closely at Lewis O'Brien at Huddersfield, the player I think is probably the best midfielder in the championship. I and mean, interesting, they went for Downs instead. So actually, we'll keep an eye on Lewis O'Brien because he is currently in talks Forest. with Nottingham, Nottingham Forest. Yeah, so we'll mm. keep an eye on him. Well, I now don't think there's any doubt about who the greatest midfielder in the championship is after Joe Allen rejoined Swansea. Uh, but it was Harry Wilson, obviously, Scott. It was Harry Wilson last year, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, good to see Joe Allen back home. Uh, let's move on quickly because we got a, we got a wrap-up pretty soon. Let's talk uh, Paolo Dybala quickly, Graham. We'll finish off with Man City's uh, pursuit of a left-back and a few defenders. What's the latest on Paolo Dybala? Because he's been linked with a few English clubs last few days. Uh, yeah, quick. That's not the case. No, quickly, Dybala, he's, he's never really wanted to come to England. We've known that. And it's probably a reason why he's not being linked to anywhere else at the minute. If Arsenal, Tottenham United, they're not really looking. Uh, he's agreed the terms with Inter. As we said before, they're just they're doing a bit of a Barcelona and, and every major club in Europe at the minute. They're trying to get rid of their their rubbish, as it were. Um, Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez, two massive wage earners at Inter. One of them's already gone, Arturo Vidal. Alexis Sanchez, Harry and you know all about. They're trying to get rid of his wage packet at the moment. Um, he might end up at Flamengo with Vidal. So once they get those out of the way, and I think there's another couple of players to go as well, they'll be able to do the ballot. We just need to get these wages off off their accounts first. And then they're also trying to sign Gelson Bremer, but they need Skriniar to move to PSG to do that. So once Inter have got these pieces lined up, um, and they're ready to go as soon as they get rid of these other players. But Inter they can't stop him talking to the other teams as well. Inter have also given Henrik Mkhitaryan the number 22 shirt. Uh, yeah. There's just some bad memories there, Harry, isn't it? Like, all round. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, the thing is, though, Henrik Mkhitaryan's a decent player in Serie A. Like, he's, yeah, he's, he, he's, he does produce in that league, and I think it's a it's a decent signing for Inter, actually. Well, Jose was furious. Yeah, Jose was furious to lose, to lose him mm -hmm. to the rivals. Well, those two notoriously don't get along. Do they? And, and it was a surprise when uh, Jose sort of came into Roma that Mkhitaryan even got some game time based on their previous. But yeah. Graham, I don't have too much time to dig into Nathan Collins to Wolves, but we understand that's done. Fabio Silva, 
football manager wonder kid is now going to an average and elect team as well we understand uh on loan yes on loan, on loan after a record-breaking uh, deal yeah massive deal took him to Wolves. I think they played a bit too much FM. Uh, but yes, uh, it didn't work out for him. Uh, let's talk Man City to finish off. Still talking, as we understand, to Mark or about a deal for Mark Cucciarella from Brighton. They don't want to pay the asking price on his head. But City are also showing some interest in some centre-backs, we understand it. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Basically, Brighton are asking a minimum £50 million, which... Seems a tad harsh, but then when they got Arsenal paid 50 million for Ben White, so I think 50 million for Cucciarella is more than accurate. I think that's the right price for him. Um, I think Ben White did, did okay at Arsenal, he proved he probably was just about worth that. So Cucciarella, I think, is the right price. If they don't pay that, Brighton won't do the deal. Um, I think they might get to it, but if not, Man City are looking around to see what else is out there. And the name Paul Torres is coming up again. Um, Left side of centre half. He's always the bridesmaid at the minute, this boy. And mm-hmm. I think whoever gets him is going to get an absolute fantastic signing. Whoever picks him up, Tottenham have looked. Chelsea are looking. Manchester United, we know he's top of Manchester United's scouting list. Unfortunately, Ten Hag isn't using it uh, for him. Um, so, yeah, and I think he would I think he'd fit in beautifully at City. He really would, Power Torres. I think he'd, he'd be a Rolls Royce there. Um, but also in taking a glance at Jules Kunde's situation, a player who they did like before. Um, again, a player who agreed terms with Chelsea for some reason. Chelsea uh, not really meeting Seville's price tag, and he's yet another player who Barcelona are discussing. John, you know I think if you, I was told by my agent Barcelona are in for me, I'm not sure how excited you get because you know it's not going to be a quick deal or even. Hey, plenty of players are getting excited by this though. Plenty, <laughs> plenty. Of yeah, them. yeah, they are. They are. So Jules Koundé Torres, keep an eye on them too for City. If they don't get Huchurella, who is first choice, um, they do like him. Well. They did look at um, David. Remind me of the left back from Hoffenheim, Raoul. Raum. 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 Yeah. So, but it's whether they look for someone who can cover the. It's how much, you know, with Nif Naki losing, would Raum cover that? Because Zinchenko possibly might be staying. So I think Raum is more if they're looking at left back. But I think they're looking for that left side and half with Aki leaving, most likely. So that's where Torres and the Kunde Lunks are coming in. Great. Uh, that's us done for today. I'm looking at Harry and Toby to see if there's anything to add. But uh, we have shaking heads. So if you're listening on audio, thank you for listening on audio. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Be sure to subscribe to the Night Eamon YouTube channel where we're living uh, on video at the moment. Uh, we'll be back later this week, I believe. We're doing twice a week throughout the summer transfer window. Just didn't have a second show last week because I had COVID and I decided to have a nap. Uh, but I'm all better now. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Harry Simiu, at Graham Bailey, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. We will be back soon. Uh, with, we've got some preseason football actually starting today, so I might watch Man United nil, Liverpool 5. Uh, how exciting. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.